Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's GarageCast. I am Michael Iani Polarchio, Head of Innovation and Strategic Projects here at Branksom Hall. Also lead an internal group called The Garage, which is focused on innovation and education. And I'm so happy to be publishing episode number 13, and I'm so appreciative that you've decided to join me and listen in. So let's buckle up and let's get started. Well, it's been quite a week with lots going on. I wrapped up teaching the grade eight design course that I teach. This week uh, was the last week, Friday being the last class. And I have to say, for any of those students listening, I was really so impressed with the level of engagement with the design cycle and just the creation of some fantastic products. So it was really one of the highlights of my week. Bittersweet because the course has ended. Turning to the first segment in this week's podcast. I wanted to talk about something that I've always been really quite interested in, and that is the ability to capture information, but then do something with that information. And I'm talking about information in the form of notes. And these notes can be notes that maybe I'm taking when I'm reading a book uh, and I tend to annotate directly in the book quite often. And then I go to some note-taking software and we can talk a little bit about tools maybe after this segment. Um, They could be notes that I am taking while listening to a speaker. Um, They could be um, notes that I'm taking while I'm listening to a lecture. Um, And a number of years ago, uh, and I have two copies of this book, I keep one in my home office, and I have one in my office at the school. Um, And it's a great book that I read, oh, probably about five years ago, I'd say. Um, And it's a book called How to Take Smart Notes. And I'm not sure if I've ever talked about this in a previous podcast, this particular method. Um, The book itself um, is written, I hope I'm pronouncing the author's name correctly, Sonke Ahrens, that's A-H-R-E-N-S. And the book, How to Take Smart Notes, uh, when you look at its cover, says one simple technique to boosting writing, learning and thinking for students, academics, and nonfiction book writers. And the book really details uh, a gentleman uh, by the name of Nicholas Luman, who created this system called the Zettelkasten system. Um, And in this system, um, he created this, at his time, there were no sort of digital tools. He created something called a slip box system. And by following the steps of the slip box system, he really cataloged 
captured and cataloged information that he gleaned while taking notes. But not only did he do that cataloging, but he linked ideas through this system where he would uh, number each note and it could reference other numbers, other notes that this idea was connected to. And so, you know, one of the things that I took away early on from this book is that while I read a book, whether, again, whether it be a, a magazine article, whether it be the digital articles, whether I'm reading a physical book, I capture the ideas as I encounter them. And the, the book itself steps through in, there's a lot of detail in and around Lumen's life, and, and he's highly, highly published. We're talking about a person who, who published more than 50 books can't remember the exact number, but about 50-some books um, over a 30-year period of time. So a prolific writer because he always had so much content. And so the slip box method within this, this approach really has some um, really discrete steps. So the first is, as I've mentioned, that you write out any idea that comes to you while, again, you're taking notes. And they call these fleeting notes. And you're meant to just jot these down, um, you know, whatever notebook you're using or a scrap of paper, and you are meant to process them later. Now, I have a number of um, tools that I use to capture fleeting notes. We've talked about one before called Notion. Uh, I also capture fleeting notes in another tool that um, is called Obsidian, uh, which I have taught a course on before, uh, sort of a, a professional development, professional learning course at Branksome. Um, and then sometimes I do capture fleeting notes in a paper notebook. Sometimes, you know, I'm just, I may be out and about and, and, and I capture it rather than pulling out a device. I keep a little notebook with me almost at all times. Um, and I capture these, these, these notes and there's got to be some discipline around going back to process them later. And I think this is one of the things that always bothered me about taking notes. Um, you know, I used to use the Franklin Covey um, sort of agenda set, which is wonderful. And then I used to take all of these notes in the agenda set, and I used to create a table of contents, and then I used to put these things into boxes and archive them. But the challenge was I never went back and really processed them. And just think about all the notes you've taken you know, even in the last couple of weeks. So think of the notes you took back in October or November. Have you revisited those notes? Um, so that's the first thing. You capture fleeting notes and there's a commitment uh, to process these fleeting notes later. The other thing that you do well, and that's ideas that come to you. The other thing you do while you are reading is you create a different type of note called literature notes about the content itself. So this should really include elements that you might use in some of your own work. Okay, so the idea behind this is we're not taking notes for notes sake. We're not just taking notes so we can go back and look up information. We're taking notes so we can create our own ideas, start creating some of our own knowledge. And so as you create literature notes, 
You should include elements that you will use in your own work. Um, and what you're really trying to do is, it's brief, sometimes I even just do it in, in, a, in a few bullets, to capture the meaning of what I've, I've read. And I do on these particular uh, literature notes, I keep these notes with bibliographic information from the book. So I'll reference the page number, obviously I'll reference the book itself, because again, the note goes into a, a system. And again, I tend to use a lot of digital um, uh, tools to do this, and, and I can then say, just display to me all my literature notes. Um, and then I can open up one of those notes and it's connected to the book. As part of this approach, there has to be a commitment to do a daily review, as I've mentioned, of the fleeting notes and also the literature notes. Okay, And then I reflect as I review these notes at the end of the day. To be honest, sometimes I review them first thing in the morning. So I sort of have a process in the morning where I do a lot of reading and I do a lot of reflection on, on my own written stuff. And I look for how these might connect to things I'm working on. I try and assess how the new information might be impacting current ideas that I'm developing. And when I do this review, I then write a permanent note that goes into the Slipbox system. And for me, my Slipbox system is completely digital. It's using Obsidian. And this permanent note I write in full sentences with any sources and references. I indicate that. I flush out the idea again, so it's a standalone card, understandable card. And once I've done that, I can discard my fleeting note. My literature notes, I archive them. So I keep the literature notes, but the fleeting note that just has an idea, I, I discard that. Because in creating a permanent note, I've created um, something that is more fully developed, but it's still a single idea per, in this case, digital card. The, the Zettelkasten system, when you look at, some people still use the traditional system that uses an actual physical slip box. They're using um, sort of filing cards, um, index cards, I, you know, I think we would call them. And they write a, a, a complete um, thought, one thought per card. And then on the back, they tend to put that bibliographic information. Once I develop those um, permanent notes, the system itself, uh, the next step would be to file those notes and link the notes. And this is where Obsidian does a great job because I can intentionally, if I'm writing something about leadership and leading strategic initiatives, which is something I've been thinking a lot about over the last week. I've spoken about it twice at the school to different groups of leaders. And so I've written a number of, of permanent notes on this topic. And so if I'm writing something about um, leadership and leading strategic initiatives, as I write that note, I may reference something else. And so in Obsidian, hitting the square bracket twice, the opening square bracket twice, allows me to start to type the title of another note. So for instance, if I want to connect this to playing to win strategy from Roger Martin, and perhaps I've got something uh, written 
um, that is talking about um, moving strategy close to the front lines, for instance, to, to really drive grassroots initiatives. I can hit the double bracket in Obsidian. I can start to type uh, that title of that other note, and it will auto-link it to the, the current note that I'm writing. So in a sense, imagine a line being drawn between these two notes. So in the, the traditional Zettelcast system, the index card would say, you know, this note on leading strategic initiatives, which might be, you know, note, I don't know, 562, links to this note, number 48, for instance, and you'd have to go fish it out. The digital version of my slip box connects those digitally, and so I can see that. The other thing that Obsidian does a really nice job is it starts to find, if I'm talking about leading strategic initiatives, it looks for other places where I've talked about that and creates some suggested links. It doesn't auto-link it, but it does create some suggested links. I tend to review those. Sometimes I'll, I'll accept the link and it suddenly joins two ideas together. And what you're doing is you're creating a web of connected ideas that you are flushing out. And that's why it's so important to link the notes uh, so that you can uh, begin to connect ideas in, in interesting ways and see what ideas are connected to each other. And that then allows me to begin writing more detailed, in-depth uh, papers, uh, blog posts, um, anything that I might be creating, presentations, uh, a white paper, it allows me to start to pull information from the system. Because when, when you look at your slip box and there's enough content within it, and um, you decide on something that you want to write about, your writing is now grounded in all this information that you have on hand. You know, and that is really differentiated from having to sort of, in a sense, start from scratch. You've been building and curating your own notes. I sometimes think of it as, as you know, it's, a, it's almost like a garden that you are tending and, and taking care of and building this asset. It's really, it's knowledge management. And so when I look through the links in the system, it allows me to see where I have created um, these connections and I can now start to build not... Um, regurgitating things that I've read in a book, but start to create some of my own knowledge, my own writing. And so I go through the process of writing an initial draft. Okay. And this really, you know, is like anything you might typically be writing. I construct um, uh, an argument or a hypothesis, uh, an opinion or a position based on the notes that are in my system. And if I find that there are gaps as I start to do that, I can start to add information. I can do more research. Uh, and, and again, that all goes into the slip box. And so it's really quite a powerful system, um, this, this Zettelkasten system. Uh, and the book itself uh, does a great job of detailing 
how you can employ this system. There are some great videos on YouTube as well where there's many people that are, are doing this. And again, for me, you know, I use a variety of tools, again, like I said, to do the fleeting notes, but I tend to um, try and do a lot of that inside uh, this great sort of knowledge management tool called Obsidian. And Obsidian, you know, I can see all of my notes and uh, in sort of list format, and I can, you know, filter them by categories and you can search. But what I can also do is look at a graphic representation of all that knowledge. So think of a, a, a sprawling, sprawling web of um, um, nodes. So each node or each dot in this web is an idea. Uh, knowledge management, for instance. And if I hold that, it will show me every other note that is connected to that. And so then if I see one in and around um, implementation of strategy, I might click on that particular note and see the web of all the ideas that are connected to, to that. And so what you start to do is you start to create this highly connected and usable asset. Um, and so I wanted to bring this forward um, to our listeners because so often, you know, students, whether they be, you know, our, our students uh, here at Branksome Hall, I know in talking to uh, students at the post-secondary level, including my own, my own children, there's a lot of energy and time that goes into writing notes. But are they smart notes? How do we supercharge our notes. And so being able to uh, use this, this, this method, which is an old method, but, but apply modern day tools, which I think really supercharge the method, tools like Obsidian, really allow this process to, to be done easily and effectively. The other thing that I do you know, as a part of, and I think I've referenced this uh, again in a previous podcast in passing when I was talking about uh, the Kindle. Um, and you, can, you, can, you don't necessarily need to be using the Kindle itself. You can use some other types of tools. But I have passages that I read inside um, books. I'll highlight them. If it's a physical book, uh, I've got some digital, uh, digital spot where I, where I do this. And I have connected programmatically uh, a service called Readwise. And what Readwise does is every day the application resurfaces highlights from things that I've read. So you might be saying, well, why, why would you do that? Well, again, think about when you read a book and you see something really interesting and you jot it down in your notebook or you highlight it in a physical book. Or you underline it in a physical book. Or in a digital book, maybe you're highlighting it as well. You ever go back and revisit those? Well, this is what Readwise does. It resurfaces ideas. So it may surface a concept from a book that I've read. And in a way, it's like spaced repetition, right? It's a way to learn and resurface things. So I'll read it and... and and it resurfaces something that I felt was important, and now it's bringing it forward to me. And the nice thing is, 
you can set up ReadWise so that, in a sense, uh, it can quiz you on the passage. And so sometimes uh, maybe it's a fill in the blank and I can't fill in all the blanks. And then I look for the answer and I'll tell ReadWise, show me this again. There's a little icon. Or if I've mastered something, let's say every time a passage comes up, I know exactly what book it's come from. I know exactly what it means. Uh, I could say, you know, don't show this to me again or show this to me in the very, very far future. And so it's a way to test your own knowledge and the gaps in your knowledge against things that you have been reading and want to remember and want to incorporate as a part of your knowledge management system. And so when I um, highlight things in a book, uh, they automatically through Readwise get put into my Notion software, which we did talk about in a previous um, uh, podcast. And that allows me to revisit those things so I can see all of the highlights and all of the things that I have felt are important in all of the books that I've read in a consolidated area. And then from there, I create fleeting notes and I create permanent notes. And the Readwise app, uh, like I said, then does uh, surface that for me in a very useful way. Uh, and through, through again, the app. I, I think you can get daily emails as well. I don't use that because I get so many emails. Um, but by going through that, over time, I can progressively recall more of the things I've read and grow my knowledge over time. And so it's really like just this amazing superpower for reading. So I would encourage you to explore that if you are the type of person that reads a lot, takes a lot of notes, but wants to make those things useful. If you have to write a speech in the future, you should be able to go to your digital slip box your knowledge management system, and have all of these insightful nuggets and pull on them and pull that together. Or if you're giving a presentation or if you're writing a paper, you know, whether it's a high school paper or whether you're writing a dissertation for a master's or a PhD, these knowledge management approaches are incredibly effective. And I'm so glad to have been able to share that here on the podcast. And again, sometime in the spring, for those of you that are here in the local community, I will re-offer my knowledge management type uh, um, uh, PD session for those that might be interested in exploring the process, but also the accompanying systems that are available. Now in segment two, I'm going to tell you a little bit about a new tool that I've been exploring. And it does link to what we talked about in segment one. There is a, a method to my podcast madness here, um, here on the GarageCast. I've talked about the tools that I, I use and have used for many years. But there is a new tool that I've just started exploring. I wouldn't say that I've made it a part of my day-to-day process yet, um, I'm not sure if it will become part of my day-to-day process, but it is quite intriguing. And so, in a sense, I'm using this tool, which is called Napkin, alongside 
the other tools that are a part of my, my daily process. And this is really, you know, I, I do this often where I want to be able to use tools. It helps me to understand the landscape of things that are out there. It helps me to, to assist others when someone's got a problem they're trying to solve or they're looking to do something and I can, I can say, oh, I know exactly what software or what technology thing could assist with that. And so Napkin, um, and if you're looking for this on the internet, the, the web address is napkin.one. So that's just one, uh, O-N-E. And what Napkin, I, I love, I'm, I'm going to bring up their site here just so I can kind of paraphrase some of the things. But what it is, is it's a place for you to, to type notes or ideas. Um, and that's how it links to segment one, because we were talking about knowledge management. And I love what they say here around saving ideas. They say, your brain is for having ideas, not holding them. So how many of us have done this before where we, you know, we've got this idea, but we don't put it down anywhere. And then you forget about it. And then later when you're in the shower, the idea comes back to you or when you're driving and it comes back to you at times that are of no use. And this is true around managing uh, activities as well. Um, which is why to-do lists uh, are, are so practical. And we'll talk about that in a, a future podcast. But I like that they say here, you know, your brain is for having ideas, not holding them. Whenever you resonate with an idea, save it in napkin. And there are different ways to do that. It's also got a connection to Readwise, which is pretty cool. Now, what this does is, I mean... It'd be not worth talking about if all it was was a way to enter ideas. So when you enter an idea, it's putting it on, again, a little digital card, which is really supposed to be the back of a napkin, I guess, you know, scribbling down this idea. It says, aha moments happen whenever you connect two seemingly unrelated ideas. So we talked about this in the tool that I do use, which is Obsidian, um, where through the Zettelkasten process, you intentionally connect ideas. And I did talk about how Obsidian tries loosely to connect um, where it sees um, common words or common phrases. And it'll do that. But what Napkin is doing is it's using artificial intelligence. So it looks at your note and automatically creates a series of tags. So think about how we, we use hashtags on Twitter hashtags in um, on Instagram the napkin platform once I've written my note so if I write a note about um, the importance of students uh, visualizing their learning and I, and I write something about that when I save that it will using AI generate a series of smart tags maybe there's something there around uh, uh, visual learning maybe it's it, it puts some things around students. It, it creates some smart tags. And if, I don't know, three months later, I write something around um, the effectiveness of visual meetings to, you know, uh, allow groups to collaborate. And, and I say something around, you know, visual meetings also assist in retention for groups of people um, who might be visual learners. As it creates the smart tag, it will start to, behind the scenes, link two unrelated ideas so that if at some point 
I, in looking at my system, click on visual learning, out of the thousands and thousands of notes, and they sort of float on screen like they're floating in space, like this universe of, of little napkins. When I ask for visual learning, it pulls everything together for me. And now I have consolidated all those things uh, with a click of a button. And from the use of the tool that I have, I've been using it now for about three or four months. And it's, it's really quite intriguing um, how it works. Um, and it's really quite effective in terms of its ability to use um, AI to create these smart tags and start to make those associations that I may not um, have caught. And so it, it, it's quite engaging. It's quite um, uh, intriguing to see how this really allows us again to create from disparate knowledge a real asset, a connected asset. And through their artificial intelligence and they use natural language processing, so that means it can interpret what I've written in, in normal English, it analyzes the notes and starts to create connections. Uh, and those connections, like I said, are, are really good. It creates this lovely balance between, you know, just think about how our brains work, right? You know, sometimes you're, you're doing something or you're thinking about something and suddenly that makes you think about something else. How many times have you said, I'm not sure that, you know, th this, this is not entirely random. It's just the way my brain thinks, right? Um, where our minds work that way, uh, where one idea suddenly connects to another idea, and uh, Napkin is, is, is attempting to do that uh, in a way that um, it's fun to use, it's got a great interface, but it's also uh, very, very valuable in terms of, of what it's doing. The interface when you look at this seems very simple. There's just a main window there and you see all your notes, like I said. And you can click on those notes and it sort of expands it. But when you click on that note, that note goes to the center of your screen and it shows you other notes that are potentially related floating around it, which is really, really neat to, to then be able to explore and intentionally create your own connections, okay? Taking these little, small, back-of-the-napkin blocks of, of thought and starting to connect them. So I encourage you if you're looking for, if you, especially if you don't have a knowledge management system, and you're looking to step into it. You know, you, you can explore some of the other tools I've mentioned, but taking something like Napkin, uh, if you haven't started, um, is quite a, 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 I think you, you, it's really worth looking at. Um, and I would really encourage you to, to take a look at it. I will say that Napkin is not a free tool. So Obsidian, which I've mentioned before, is a free tool. There are some, some, some paid, um, uh, aspects to uh, um, Obsidian, but you can use it for free. A napkin is, you know, they're a business uh, and um, the pricing itself <coughs> is uh, not outrageous, but there is a cost to it. And so it is a consideration. They do give you an ability to start a free trial, um, which is a nice way to, to step into it. And then if you decide to continue using it, um, you could pay either $10 a month 
um, for this place to collect your ideas. Um, and they've got some other sort of tiered uh, pricing depending on other things and features you might want from it. So encourage you to check that out if you're looking for uh, a way to really elevate the way you take notes. Well, that brings us to the end of another garage cast. I will say before I close off this week's uh, garage cast, I'm going to give a, a shameless little plug for something that I'm leading here at the school. So this is a series that I've kicked off, and this is for the internal community. Uh, so for all of you Branksome Hall um, uh, employees that are listening, um, I have launched... Uh, a professional development opportunity called AI, The Future Is Now. And I'm offering part one. This is a three-part um, series on artificial intelligence and its uses and impact uh, in education. And it's hands-on where you get to step into the use of some of these tools. And so I'm offering part one. I have um, three slots available for part one. So the first is on February the 3rd, uh, and that will be at 1145. And again, I've, I've limited the um, number of people that can sign up because I want to be able to do some hands-on, shoulder-to-shoulder um, discussions and or work uh, as you participate in this uh, uh, workshop. So that's the first one. The second um, time slot, still for part one, is on February the 21st at 11.30 in the morning. And as well, on the same day, February 21st, I'll offer the third time slot for part one from 4 to 5 p.m. Uh, and this is the intro of uh, the first part is an overview and we just start to get into um, the tools at a high level. Uh, part two then gets into deeper usage of these tools and some discussion around uh, its their impact. So once you've had a bit of time to explore these tools with me, um, we collectively will start to discuss uh, and consider its impact. And then the third uh, part uh, of this series is still an even further uh, use of these tools and an exploration of where this might fit within your day-to-day -day work. So whether you are looking to potentially integrate it into your curriculum, we'll do some stepping through what that can look like. If you're looking to use it departmentally or personally for some of your work, we'll look at what that looks like. Um, and so it's a really it's really exciting for me to be bringing this to the Branksome community. Um, again, I think one of the days is entirely full. Um, there are some open time slots on some of the other days. And so for all of you listeners, um, if you're thinking of, of taking it, you don't have to be technical. Um, it, it's not a, you know a, a highly technical workshop. We're using artificial intelligence, but we're coming at it from, an end user's perspective. Um, and so if you do have some curiosity around this, I really encourage you to, to sign up. And I look forward for those of you who have signed up to 
um, having you participate in this uh, series, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to the richness of the conversations. With that, I will bid you a terrific, terrific day, wherever this podcast is finding you. I hope that you are enjoying the upcoming weekend, and I look forward to you joining me again next week for episode 14. Until that time, be well, everybody. This is Michael Iani Polarchio saying ciao.